And the Bible tells us that he was a devout man, a good man, a man who feared God. The, the, the fear of God governed all of his, his actions and his behavior. And, and uh, But yet, though he fears God, and the Bible says give, give alms and praise always, he is, he is not saved. He fears the God of the Jews, but he supports Judaism from the outside. He doesn't fully embrace the Mosaic law as as a Gentile, we, we don't know why there was no law prohibiting a Gentile from uh, from becoming a Jew and practicing the Mosaic law. But uh, but but maybe it was the the law was too strict. Maybe he didn't feel welcomed by the the, the Pharisees and other Jews. Maybe he just liked his bacon and and uh, wasn't ready to give that up. Uh, we, we don't know. But 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 he 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 sought after God and and the Bible says he prayed always. And in response to that prayer, the Bible tells us that God sent an angel and directed Cornelius to send for Peter. Because Peter had a message that Cornelius needed to hear. Cornelius is ready. Peter is not. Peter's not ready to go to the house of a Gentile and, and, and uh, they're unclean. They do unclean things. And Peter knows if I'm around him, I'm unclean. And, and uh, if I go to his house, I, I can't go to his house. I can't eat his food. And so God gave Peter a vision. Peter was told to kill a, an unclean animal and to eat it. And even in a trance, a semi-conscious uh, state, Peter is repulsed by that idea. And Peter, Peter doesn't understand that God has declared all meat, meats to be clean. And Jesus, of course, had done that during His ministry, but Peter didn't understand it. And, uh, and by the way, as we go through uh, these these teachings of the Word of God, Peter didn't understand it the first time he heard it. Maybe he won't as well. Uh, but uh, but but I, I do hope that you want to understand it and that you want to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and understanding the the old covenant and the new covenant. And and I just I have a hard time grasping those who have no desire to understand the Word of God. We need to read it and study it and and, and hear preaching. But. But uh, uh, but Peter, Peter finally, finally understands as the spirit tells him directly, these men have have come for you and you need to go with them. The message last week, we learned that uh, uh, the dietary restrictions that God gave to Israel were to model for them salvation. They were not given for health reasons. Okay, uh, the, the the penalty of being it was a picture of salvation. The penalty of being unclean is that they could not go near God. They could not go be a part of the worship of God. And the solution to being unclean was to be declared clean by a priest, by the high priest. And how is a shadow of things to come because of sin? Man is unclean. The penalty for sin is being far from God, but. The solution is to be declared clean by our high priest. And because of the sacrifice, not that we bring, but the sacrifice that he has made of himself, it makes us clean. And, uh, and, and so the, the Spirit of God tells Peter to go with these men. Go in full confidence. Go in faith, doubting nothing. And so that, uh, that, that was the message from last week. And that is where we pick up the story for the message tonight. And, and, uh, and, and in verse 22, Cornelius has sent his servants. And Cornelius knows that this is all about a message 
that Peter has. And, and, and we're going to see that as we read and study this passage. Peter has a message. And, and, and I want to remind us, I mentioned this last week, the angel could have very easily given the gospel to Cornelius himself. Instead of making him send servants and for Peter to come and, and all of this. But I, I, I want to remind you again this week, that is not the job of the angels. Preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is what you and I have been commissioned to do. That is our job. So the Bible tells us that Peter goes and it's about a 30 mile journey. So Peter brings these servants of Cornelius in. They he gives them food and lodging. And then first thing the next morning, they head out on their journey, a full day's journey back to Caesarea. And the following day, the Bible tells us that 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 Peter arrives and and Cornelius receives Peter. By, did you notice it as we read it? By falling at his feet and worshiping him. Boy, how awkward. You know, if you need proof that Cornelius knows about God and, and, and fears God, but he does not know God, look again at verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. But also notice Peter's response. Peter took him up. Okay, Peter didn't just speak to him. Peter was Peter was quick on this one. Grabbed his clothes, pulled him up. Stand up. I myself also am a man. You know, Cornelius has worshipped a mere man, showing his ignorance of of, uh, of of understanding of who God is, and even the commandments of God. Thou shalt have. No other gods before me. And, 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 and I want to remind us, the Bible tells us, the Bible describes Cornelius as a man who fears God. He knows about the God of the Jews, but he does not know God. Now, I, I want to make a, a point about this before we move on. The, uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church likes to claim uh, that Peter is the first pope. But I want to ask you, is this the way the pope responds when he receives the worship of men? Pope Francis doesn't grab people. I mean, that's what Peter did. Okay, Pope Francis doesn't grab people and say, stand up, stand up. I myself also am a man. Those who try to kiss his hand or kiss his rings. No, don't 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 kiss my hands. I I myself also am a man. Peter doesn't call himself the vicar of Christ, the official representative of Christ. No, the vicar of Christ is the Holy Ghost. Not not a, a a mortal man. You know, one of the first things that Pope Francis uh, did back in this was back in 2013. They uh, they had uh, several decades ago had uh, uh, had had some bones that centuries ago had been buried in St. Peter's Basilica under under the 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 altar. And those bones and during a remodeling was were were brought up and and uh, and examined and and uh, scientists declared those bones to be the bones of St. Peter. And so, November 24, 2013, Pope Francis venerated the bones of Peter. And now those, those bones are on display. And Pope Francis said they, that, that uh, he is the 265th successor of St. Peter. And uh, holding the relics of the first Pope, the Vicar of Christ. And... and uh, he, this, understand that that uh, Catholic teaching is so unscriptural. 
You know, they, 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 because they take man and they, they, they worship men. You know, they, they claim that this veneration is not worship, but, but here we see Peter receiving worship and Peter rejecting that worship and, and, and we don't see that pattern within the, 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 the Catholic Church. Pope Francis quoted the Council of Trent that taught the sacred bodies of the holy martyrs and other saints venerated by the faithful because through them many benefits are granted to men by God. Through the bodies, through the remains of mortal man, they receive the, the grace of God. How foolish. In verse 28, Peter... Of course, now has a chance to speak. And he says in verse 28, Ye know how that it is unlawful, uh, an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one of another nation. Now, Peter reminds these, th these Gentiles what they already knew about the Jews and about their ceremonial law. You know, living in Palestine, they knew the customs of the Jews. The Jews were quite obnoxious about keeping some of their customs. Yeah, you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, uh, you know, when you pray, you don't have to go out on the corner of the street and raise your hands. And, uh, you know, when you fast, you don't have to disfigure your face. So, so everyone knows you're fasting. When you give alms, you, you, you don't have to, uh, you know, make it uh, so loud. Let's see. Uh, 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 let me find some money. Oh, I, I, I've only got five dollars to give and. You know, be obnoxious about uh, about your, your your keeping the law. Peter tells them they knew this that it was unlawful for a Jew to come into the house of a Gentile because they would be unclean. But Peter says, "God has spoken to me. God has revealed something to me. There are no unclean men. What what God has? But God has showed me that I." Not, that I should not call any man common or unclean. You know, imagine the Jews that these Gentiles who for years had lived in the Jews and, and of course Cornelius has great respect for the traditions and the customs of the Jews. He fears the God of the Jews. For them to hear this. What? You mean I'm not unclean? You know, all, all this time, the, the, the whole time I've lived here in this part of the world, I've, I've been treated with contempt by the Jews. But Peter makes it very clear. In verse 29, Peter says, Therefore I came unto you without gainsaying. Well, that's important. Peter didn't ask how much he was going to get paid to come. How long he was going to be there. And Peter said, I, I didn't ask for money. And so, Peter goes on in verse 29 to ask Cornelius. And Cornelius recounts his story. Look at verse 30. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. And thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he, when he cometh, notice this, shall speak unto thee. 
Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done, and that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. You know, Cornelius knows that this is all about a message that he so desperately needs to hear. So now Peter begins to, to, to speak and to preach. And I want us to notice verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. God is no respecter of persons. We need to understand this. We got to preach from this, uh, from the book of James. Uh, this is a sin far greater than we realize. And what Peter is telling Cornelius and telling Gentiles is that the gospel is for them. God has, uh, the, the truth that he is about to speak is not something that is uh, of the Jews and for the Jews. It is for them. God is no respecter of persons. You know, the old covenant was God's covenant with Israel. But Israel had rejected their Messiah. And that, that now they had the God going to all nations. And there was no nation. There was no people group that God will not get the gospel to because of who they are. And, and, uh, and, and by the way, I, I want to remind us that, yes, there is a place for Israel in eschatology. In the end times, we read of them in the book of Revelation and so forth. But, but I want to remind us that in the new covenant, the chosen people of God are not the Jews. It is the church of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter two, we don't have time to turn there, but Peter writes, ye are a chosen generation. He's not writing to the Jews. He's writing to the believer. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That ye should shine forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, the church of Jesus Christ is God's holy nation. The church of Jesus Christ is now the people of God. God doesn't have two peoples. God doesn't have two kingdoms. And you see, God has, yes, set Israel on a shelf. And now the gospel is preached through the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the kingdom of God. And, and we need to understand that because there are some that want to make a, 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 a give a lot of attention to the nation of Israel and, and, and some of the political things that are going on at land. And, and, and yes, they will be a part of end time prophecy. But any glory that is given to the nation of Israel in the church age is glory that is rightfully due the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 35, he says, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted him. If someone to read this verse and they, this, this is why they say, well, Cornelius was already saved. But you can't base your doctrine on this verse. That, that is a, a mis, misunderstanding, a misinterpretation of what the Word of God is saying here. You know, a, you can't say, read this verse and say, well, in every nation, those that do what's right, are accepted by God. You see, this 
No, it, it, you know, you know, to say that, well, all good people wind up in heaven, whether they're saved or not. No, good works cannot save a soul. Saying prayers cannot save a soul. Giving alms cannot save a soul. You know, if, if Cornelius is already saved because he's given alms and been generous, well, then the Catholic Church does have it right about indulgences. You see, that giving cannot save a soul. For by grace are ye saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And what Peter is referring to here, what he's speaking of here is nations. He says that, but in every nation. You see, he's talking about nations. He's speaking about people groups. He, he, he didn't say in verse 35 that Cornelius is accepted of him. No, because Cornelius needs to hear the gospel and Peter is ready to give him the gospel. But what Peter is saying is the gospel is for every nation. And in every nation where people respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they will be accepted of him. There's no nation, there's no people group that will be rejected because of their nationality or because of their, uh, their, their heritage or their customs. The gospel is for all nations and all people. So in verse 36, Peter begins his sermon. And I'd like for us just to read through it. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in all Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day, and showed him openly, not to all people, but unto witnesses, chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him as after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us, commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead to him. Give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. Now Peter begins his, his sermon and Peter preaches the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the content of Peter's sermon here begins with Jesus' baptism. And, uh, and he preaches Jesus. Who Jesus is, why Jesus came, and, and, uh, and how, how we must respond to the truth of who Jesus is. And this is an outline Peter's used before. He, he wasn't afraid to re, reuse good outlines. Jesus is God. Jesus did miracles. Jesus taught disciples. Jesus was murdered. Jesus rose from the grave to prove He is God. Jesus has been exalted in heaven. And soon He will be glorified in earth. And, and you must believe in Him to receive forgiveness of sins. The gospel is preached. Peter preaches the gospel. You know, there's such a, 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 a there's such a move within Christianity to set aside the God. I've, I've even heard that uh, some call preaching pagan. Pagan. Uh, George Barnes wrote a book a few years back called Pagan Christianity. 
And in there, he, he, he goes on to, to say that a lot of the, the, the traditions and things that churches do, practically everything we do as a church, is, has pagan roots. Listen, just because you can go back in history and find some Greek philosopher that travels from village to village speaking his philosophy does not mean that preaching is pagan. We are following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are obeying the command of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, uh, and, and listen, it is the preaching of the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, if we're not to preach, how on earth, Mr. Barn, are we going to evangelize the world? You see, the gospel must be declared. And that's what Cornelius knows that he needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Peter so faithfully preaches the gospel. But I must hasten. Verse 44 through 48. The, the salvation of Cornelius and, and, uh, and, and many who were in the house. And let's read 44 through 48 and then we'll uh, explain it, make a few points, and and uh, and we'll be finished. Verse forty-four. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, for they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed, uh, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. As these Cornelius and other of these Gentiles hear the message that Peter has, they believe. And again, it's so important we understand this. They hear the message and they believe in their heart. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And uh, as they believe the message of the gospel, as they are converted, the Spirit of God falls upon them and the Spirit of God moves in their midst. And, and, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, yes, this is a rather unusual passage because we've seen manifestations of the Spirit before, but it's never been quite like this. You know, take for instance the day of Pentecost as, as the apostles are, are to preach. Jerusalem is, is, is filled with faithful Jews who have come to observe Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon them and they go out into the streets of Jerusalem preaching in, in, uh, listed for some 16, 17 different languages and, and, uh, and, and it, it stirs the crowd and, and, uh, immediately there's an interest in, in, uh, in these men and what they have to say and thousands hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and some 3,000 respond and are saved and baptized. But this is quite different than what happened on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't, these aren't faithful men that the Holy Ghost is coming upon. These aren't faithful men that have been personally trained by the Lord Jesus Christ under His ministry. Men who have been praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. No, they believe, they believe Peter's message. Immediately they're filled. There's manifestation of the Spirit's power. They, 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 they spoke in tongues. You see, what God has done is God has turned the tables. 
And yes, this is a sign for the for the Jews on the day of Pentecost. The apostles speaking in tongues was a sign and they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because they heard the gospel in their own language and and they gave attention. They gave ear, you see, but but uh, it's not Peter speaking in tongues here. It's not the Jews who have traveled with Peter that are speaking in tongues. It's these these Gentiles. But you see, that's the point of it all. You see, God, the Holy Spirit, is showing Peter and these other, these other Christians who have traveled with him that this is an authentic work of the Holy Spirit. These Gentiles are true believers. And God is, yes, God has given the Holy Spirit and, and specifically this manifestation of the Spirit that we call tongues, not, not because it's a pattern that we're, uh, that we're to, to insist upon that every single brand new convert begins to speak in tongues and, and, and speak in foreign languages or, or, or God forbid some unknown language. No, this was a sign for Peter and for the apostles that the whole, this was all a work of the Holy Spirit. And you see how Peter understands it, don't you? Well, if they have received the Holy Spirit, then don't you think we ought to baptize them? Is, did you catch that? Can any man, verse 47, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? You know, if there were anyone, there might have been someone there that would say, oh, hold on, Peter, don't get, don't be so hasty in baptizing these Gentiles. We don't know if they, they, they truly believe, but you see, all doubts have been erased because of this manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter baptizes them because the Spirit has made His working and their conversion so evident. Now as we, I want to make just three, uh, give you three principles and applications of the message, uh, this, in this passage. First of all, salvation is for all people. God is we need to understand that, boy, it's, it's so easy for us to be content and, 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 uh, and, and with, with, uh, our church and our, our, our exercise of, of the faith and, and, and not to be concerned about what lies beyond and other groups and other peoples and, and, uh, but, but listen, we're, we're, yes, God has given us a, a country where we have in the past enjoyed great freedom and, and God has even blessed our country because of, uh, of, of the, 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 the church and the, the, the faithful Christians that have lived in our country, but, but we're not to think of ourselves better than any other people. We're not better, we're not to think of ourselves as better than others, maybe because of the shade of pigment in our skin, or, or because of societal customs and practices, or because of looks, or, uh, because of how intelligent uh, we think we are, or because of how much money's in our pocket. Listen, salvation is for all. God is no respecter of persons. And we need to get the gospel unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Salvation is for all people. Let me say this secondly, being religious does not mean that you're saved. You know, Cornelius is the epitome of religion. Well, every religion in the world would love to have a Cornelius. would love to have 10, 000, 10 million Corneliuses. I mean, he's the total package. He's well respected. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a moral man. Best of all, he's generous. <laughs> he's got money and he's generous. 
I mean, hey, you know, many, many would love to have a Cornelius and, and they would love to, to, to show that Cornelius as, as, a, you know, an example of what their religion can do for someone. But see, Cornelius has a problem and that is he's lost. That's why he's been seeking God. That's why God has heard and answered his prayer. That's why God has told him to send for Peter because, you know, uh, Peter has a message and Cornelius anticipating that message has assembled his house. He's called friends and family and gathered them all together to hear the message that Peter has to bring. Cornelius, yes, Cornelius has it all except Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus. Should it profit a man? If he should gain the whole world, say it with me, and lose his own soul. You see, Cornelius is intensely interested in the gospel because he sees himself as a sinner. You know, for a man, if a man doesn't see himself as a sinner, the gospel's irrelevant. You know, the, the good news. If a man doesn't see himself as a sinner, if he doesn't see his his predicament, the good news isn't such good news. A man will just ignore it. But if a man sees himself as a sinner, the gospel is so important. See, Jesus came to save us from the condemnation of the wrath of God. He didn't come to make our lives better. He didn't come to... Make our lives more fulfilling. He, 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 he does it. It's not add a little Jesus to your life. See, you know, like a little bit of icing on the cake. Oh no. Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God. You know, I love, I, I love Isaac Watts's hymns. And he wrote, when I survey the wondrous cross, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them through His blood. See, that's what the Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 when he said, I counted all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. You see, that's what every single person who sees themselves as a sinner and sees their need for Jesus Christ will do. Nothing else matters. Their status, their, 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 their family, their name, they, they, they must have the salvation that Jesus Christ came to give. See, Cornelius was a religious man, but being religious doesn't mean that you're saved. Let me say this lastly. When a, man, when a soul is saved, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bring about a salvation. The salvation. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter one, look at verse twenty three. 
Peter, who's preached the message we just read, also wrote these words. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. What's that next phrase? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is as grass and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. You see, it's the word of God that brings salvation. That's what Peter had for Cornelius. That's what the angel said. He must hear the word of God. You see, it's not philosophy that saves. You know, it's not some, it's not having some kind of moralistic philosophy. It's not uh, apologetics. You, that, that cannot save a soul. You know, Jesus didn't tell us, go ye into all the world and preach young earth creationism and a global flood. Now listen, that, that's important. I, I, because, because those that reject the scriptures, they, 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 they do not believe the, the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. That, that is, that is vitally important. But people will not get saved because they hear about apologetics. They hear rational ideas and how the, the evidence in the world and reasons that, that, uh, that, that back up and support the truth. People don't get saved because they want more satisfying relationships. They don't get saved because they go uh, to the Christian bookstore and buy a book, Be a Better You. No, Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, listen, it is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and everything that we do must be must have proclaiming the gospel as a vital part of it, a central part of it. You know, even even apologe, apologetics by itself will not get more people into heaven. You know, in reflection of of the scandal of the deceased Rabbi Zacharias, we don't need more apologists. We need more preachers of the gospel. We need more preachers that will say, "Man is a sin." Jesus Christ came to save man from his sin. You see, for the salvation of a soul, there must be two things present. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. Now, I, I want to remind us, Jesus described for us the working of the Spirit of God in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 said, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, he must be born again. And then in verse 8, he said, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The Spirit moves in ways that you cannot understand. The, 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 the power and the moving, it, it's all the working of God. You see, you and I do not control the Spirit of God. You know, that, that's a problem that I have with those that, 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 uh, that want to have a service and conjure up a kind of spirit. We're not going to force or make the Holy Spirit to move or do anything that we, in, because we insist upon it. He is not at our beck and call. You see, we cannot bring conviction. We even, even, we, we cannot bring conviction. You and I cannot bring new life. It is the Spirit of God that br brings a soul into the family of God and the kingdom of God. See, but remember, I said there's two things. There's the Spirit of God and the Word of God. See, that was Peter's part. 
And that also is our part. To bring forth the Word of God. To supply the Word. And in, 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 uh, in verse 28 of, of Acts chapter 10, you know, that's, that's, uh, that, that's what Peter did. He preached the Word. Peter brought the Gospel. You know, we, you and I can preach the Word. We uh, look back in chapter, Acts chapter 8, the disciples, they went everywhere preaching the Word. You see, you and I can be like the sower. Remember the parable of the sower? The sower went forth to sow. What, what, what kind of soil got the seed? All of it. You know, he was dispersing the seed everywhere. It hard ground. Stony soil. You know, he sowed in the weeds. He also sowed on good ground. But he sowed the seed everywhere. And that's what you and I must do. You know, Peter has been preaching for some nine chapters now in the book of Acts again and again. Peter has stood up and preached and, you know, his message hasn't changed. It's all been about Jesus. Jesus was, Jesus was killed. He was buried. He was raised again, according to the scripture. And, and like we read in verse 43, whosoever believeth in him shall All of us tonight, as as we wrap up the message that you and I, we have no control over the Spirit of God. Yes, we can pray and we can plead, but we don't control the Spirit. But what we can do is sow the Word of God. This week, don't just read the Word of God, sow the Word of God. This week, don't just meditate or memorize the Word of God, also sow the Word of God. Let's let's proclaim it everywhere we go, because this is the message this world needs to hear. Even those that are good, even those that are religious, even those that 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 claim faithful church attendance, but they do not know Jesus Christ. They have not received forgiveness of their sins. They need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sow the word of God everywhere we go. Let's take the gospel to this lost and dying world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.